G'day everyone, welcome to Porsche Talk Podcast. This week we're coming from all around the world. You've got me in Perth, Ajmal in London, and we've got a couple of guests. You might know them from Kerbin Canyon or their respective YouTube channels. Welcome, Andy and James. Andy, that song. Hey. Whole lot of loving. Huey Lewis, tell (laughs) us a story. Well, come on. Huey Lewis and the News got to be the most underrated band of all time. Chris Hayes, amazing guitar player. Shut up, James. We haven't even started yet. Uh, I just, I love Huey Lewis and the News. Uh, You know, their their impact on popular popular culture can largely be attributed to Back to the Future and then American Psycho in more recent times. But that album, Four, that's that's an album that for me is, was that 1985, that sixth grade in school? What does that make me? 11, 12? I see Back to the Future that year. I start skateboarding that year. I start playing electric guitar that year. It's just all wrapped up in it. So I just... I love Huey Lewis and the News. I won't hear a bad word said about them. Is that when you first developed that magic quiff of yours? Is this purely <laughs> no, dude, just, I, just it, it was a mullet? That, those, those were that was that my mullet game was strong. Back then. <laughs> oh my god! We could all see oh that. My god. We could all see that. Tell me, um, Ajmal, you're a sympathizer to Huey Lewis, as am I. Oh yeah, a four is a great album. Sports mm. was a great album. Mm. Uh, Huey Lewis. Kind of feel like he was born middle aged, because uh, he's looking like forever. Yeah, and he still looks the same. And, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and that totally resonates with me about Back to the Future. It was when that hit. It was all cool skateboarding, uh, wearing yeah. Yeah. Uh, a life reserve, uh, yeah. and uh, <laughs> yeah. and just the the whole thing about Huey Lewis and then American Psycho obviously took it to another level, along with you know yeah. Phil Collins, No Jacket Required. Um, and just yeah, exactly, brilliant. Love you listening to this. So I'm so glad to hear it. Yeah, look, I for me, I think I can't help but associate Huey Lewis and the news with Back to the Future, as we've already brought up. And and mm-hmm. I actually think it's one of those few films that have a prolific car in it. That the music is actually better than the car ever delivered on. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, a hundred percent. The, the, all right, look, the, the Power of Love was an excellent single and it was perfect for that movie. Everything else, utter bollocks. And I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> you, had to, you had to do it, didn't you? You couldn't just play That's it. That's nice. it. Power of Love. <laughs> End off. Now, That's it. Listeners, who do you think's up at 6.30 in the morning right now out of all the four of us? <laughs> <laughs> No, I think the, the car, the car element of Back to the Future, the car element of Back to the Future. I mean, would was it on anybody's radar before that happened? Apart from the whole drug thing, and you know the um, yeah, classic still Delorean right. being you know sent to prison, all of that. I thought it was really average car, but the fact that it was in that movie, that's yeah. why we're still talking about it. Okay, hundred percent, extremely average car with a terrible Peugeot engine. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm going to interrupt you right here. I, w- I want to know. Show of hands, who's actually driven a DeLorean? Mm-mm. Oh, 
I've been I near one. In, I, I actually have driven one, and they are and? as bad as you think. Yeah, there you go. There you go. It was only a short. To me, it's just better left in my memory of just something I never experienced. Oh, look, I think it's one of those so cars that are great to look great. at. That's it. Done. Just yeah. look at it. Well, you see them at – I was at uh, Highball Cars and Coffee here in Melbourne a few weeks back, and there was one there. And DeLorean's win Cars and Coffee every time. You roll up in a DeLorean, you win. Uh, mm. Their the head-turning factor is unreal. But do you know what? For me, I was actually more obsessed with the Toyota Hilux in that film. That SR5, the Not black the Ute. Yeah, dude, I wanted that car. Because when he's hanging out in, yeah, yeah, he's hanging out in the in the town square with Jennifer, his girlfriend. He's like, check out that four by four. That is hot. And I just remember thinking, yeah, dude, that car. I want that car. I forgot about that car. Good call. Oh, the best. Yeah, yeah. see in the UK, pickup trucks. No, just don't don't resonate. Yeah, no, they don't. They don't. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> now, James, you've recently taken delivery of a new car yourself. That is, we all know uh, is grey, but you keep calling blue. Uh, it's um, <laughs> technically graphite blue metallic. There's no grey in the name. There's more graphite than blue, let's face it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, to be fair, there are... There are times when you come up and you look at it and it looks grey, and then other times it looks like super blue. And that's kind of about it, you know. Depending on the day and the lights, it, it does kind of look a different colour. Um, but yeah, it's not as blue as Bluey One, and I think I'm going to call this car Bluey Twoey. Um, I, I can't should, think of the name I think for you should it. Call it. I think you should call it not Bluey. Not Bluey. <laughs> 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 look, Andy's burying his head. The bluey Tui. I know, look, he couldn't help himself. He had to... <laughs> <laughs> well, James, just, so tell us about just, it. James, can we, just, can we just talk over here for a second? <laughs> just, just, just you and me. What the hell, bluey Tui? <laughs> Quick sidebar. No, it's, it's genius is what it is. Um, so Soul Bluey, Soul Bluey, that went to auction and that was a ridiculously terrifying experience um why i would i would highly well because they convinced me to go no reserve um and we talked about it and we talked about it um and i thought you know and they sold me on the idea look you're probably going to get more money if you go no reserve it'll create more buzz um you know blah 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 and uh, i was like okay all right fine and then for the seven days that my car was on auction. <laughs> refresh, 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 refresh. Well, yeah. And I thought, <laughs> I think I only saw one or two other cars, no reserve. The vast majority of cars on there had a reserve. And I was like, what am I doing? Um, I'm going to sell this car for like a hundred bucks after putting three years of my life and thousands of dollars into it. Um, but it eventually went for more than I was hoping to get, which is good. Oh, it's good. Um, yeah, yeah. So that that was really good, but that was nerve wracking. But yeah, Bluey's gone, and I've now got myself a, a nine nine one dot two, um, which uh, I like. I'm really happy with. Really, really like. Even though it is grey, and its name is Bluey too. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about the rest of the spec. Is it a Carrera, Carrera S, Carrera Four? What are we talking here? So it's a coupe. Uh, it's a C two, um, three seventy horses. Uh, it's got the PDK. 
It's got the sports exhaust. Most importantly, it's got the bum cooling seats. That's the thing I wanted the most. Absolutely got the bum coolers. They had to get, Um, not many people option those. That's right. And not many people option those with 18-way sports seats. So I've got the bigger, more comfortable sports seats with the bum coolers. <laughs> Andy's, by the way, for the listeners, Andy's head is still buried in his hand. What's, like what's wrong with the bum cooler, Andy? I, no, no, no. I, I, I'm a fan of a, of a bum cooler in my daily driver, no problem. But like when it comes to specking a 911, when you're sitting there and saying, right, what are the, what are the must-haves? You know, for me, it's Sports exhaust, PASM, all like performance things, James. How can I keep my big gulp cool? <laughs> yeah, and in male filter as well. Well, look, to be fair, it does have PASM and sports exhaust. Um, know, it has pretty much changed. everything I wanted, apart from sports chrono. Um, it doesn't have the sports chrono feature, uh, but I've just retrofitted that this week thanks to um, another YouTube video that, that Andy pointed me to. I, I don't uh, get sports chrono. Why do people want sports chrono? What are you getting besides a thing well, that's spinning around faster than what time's going past you? I'm just curious about the sports chrono thing for people. Personally, for me, I just like the look of a clock in the middle of my dashboard. You don't find many cars with that sort of feature at least not the way Porsche presents it. And so it's but like the letters are this big. You me. can't read the time on the bloody thing. You end up reading the time on your dash anyway. I don't care. Yeah, okay. I honestly don't care. Now the, the yeah, come thing, on, if if you're tracking if you're tracking the car, it can be useful, you know, lap times and all that sort of stuff. And I honestly I've tried to do zero to sixty runs using the sports chrono every single time I mess up. Every single time I mess up. So you'd think that Porsche would come up with an intuitive way of automating that for you, right? So the minute you take your foot off the brake and the car starts to move, the clock starts. And the minute it hits a certain speed threshold, the clock stops. So you can accurately measure zero to 60. No, of course not. So as you get in, you know, you're on launch control, you're getting ready to go. You've got to remember, okay, do I push the stalk forward or backwards to get the clock started? Fuck, I'm moving. Shit, I haven't got the clock started. <laughs> and then as you get to 60, you're like, okay, is it forward or backwards to stop it? Shit, no, I'm now at 70. Crap, no. And then <laughs> your zero to 60 time becomes like 11 seconds. And you know that's not true, but it's because you can't work the bloody clock. Hang on. So I, I don't even Hang on, you said that. it's not true. Didn't you say you got a C2? It could be. <laughs> not this one with bum coolers so it's heavy well it's heavy anyway because I'm in it This, but the, the bum coolers don't make any difference 4.2 seconds 0 to 60 and I'm about to tune it so I'm going to get 500 horses or 495 out of it with a stage 1 tune and um, I don't know if that's going to do much to my 0 to 60 time I don't really care it but will it will How's is it? What's the in the talk about tuning those motors? Has there been like anyone saying, "Ah, uh, yes, now the bottom end is actually literally on the ground"? Is, like, is is there been any problems with people tuning the motors that Porsche never intended to go to that sort of power output? Well, actually, that's the thing. the 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 base three liter engine that's in the Carrera is the exact same engine that's in the S and the GTS. Ah. The only difference is the size of the the boring on the intercoolers. Sure. Uh, sorry, not the intercoolers, the uh, the turbos. Um, so you can put a set of OEM factory GTS uh, turbos on that engine, and it'll still operate. It's 
you know, it's, it's, it's designed to go up to that much power. The only thing they recommend you do is um, upgrade your intercoolers um, the higher you go. In fact, I think even with the GTS spec, you're fine with the factory intercoolers. But if you go, there's a company called Pure um, that actually take it to a, like another stage. So with the GTS, you can get about 525, I think, or 550 horses out of the engine. Um, with the Pure turbos, you can get up to 650, um, even as high as 700 with some additional mods. Um, and, and that's all out of that base three liter engine. And Amazing. apparently they haven't had any problems. Um, so that's, yeah, it's pretty exciting. So Andy takes the piss out of me for focusing on things like bum coolers, but the main reason I went for the, the 991.2 that's this time is because I haven't yet had any experience with turbocharged engines and I really quite fancy focusing on the performance, but I, I did a, I did a drag, um, the first day I got it back in Minnesota and it's the first 911 I've had that has really made my kind of stomach go like a roller coaster when I, you know, take the foot off the brake. Um, I think I even captured it on, on video with one hand, which was not a good idea. Um, but my, you know, my other, my other cars have been fun, you know, and they've been more than enough car for me, but this one, yeah, the first time I actually thought, Jesus, do I keep going? Or do I take my foot off the gas? Cause I'm starting to feel a bit queasy it, and that's only 370 horses. So God knows what it's going to feel like when I tune it. Fantastic. I can't wait. Yeah, that sounds great. Now, Ajmal, I've heard a rumour that um, Flat 6 Jack has been convinced to keep your car in the workshop overnight. Uh, yeah, so I did take it to him um, because, you know, I had to have the exhaust tip spot on because one of the pea shooters fell off. <laughs> and uh, so I took it to him and he had to take the bumper off. And I remember when he put it back on. It sounded great again because I've been driving around for months with only one exhaust tip on. And uh, <laughs> so I drove to Bristol which is like 100 miles. And I got to the other end and I and I, a great journey, got out, slammed the door and the heat shield fell off. Um, <laughs> and it literally just slammed straight onto the floor. And I was telling Mark about this last week because I parked it on the main street in Bristol. So there's a queue of people at the bus stop across the road. Yes. And I'm there burning my hands, trying to wedge it back in because I can't take it out because it's wedged in there. So it's, I've been driving it for about three weeks with that rattling around in there. So I took that in to get that done. But also uh, the lower coffin arms on the back, because they creak like you wouldn't believe when it's warm. They creak like the car's about to snap in half. And I'm hoping it's that. It could be something else. But I'm going to get that done. Hopefully that'll be back in a couple of days. Just in time. Oh, we should a big new or like a clunking beetle that's fallen apart. Like what? Same thing, isn't it? Everybody... <laughs> <laughs> I'm embarrassed for no. you, mate. Absolutely <laughs> embarrassed for you. I hope you were driving solo. Oh my god! I was. No this, one else likes this, to go. My family don't like to go in the car with me. This is not well. Uh, no, uh, did they see the photo of whatever was underneath that tarp with the mushrooms growing out of it? What happened to that car? <laughs> well, that that was that was an experiment that went wrong because I did that thing where I bought it without seeing it. And it was it was you know bargain. Two thousand two hundred pounds, MOT'd, uh, got it back, and it had like literally shit growing in it. I mean, there was stuff growing oh, in it. Jesus! And um, I spent so two thousand two hundred. I spent on that uh, to buy it. I spent another two grand on it, and then I sold it for eighteen hundred pounds. 
with the mushrooms. Well, well played, sir. With the mushrooms. <laughs> it, was all, honestly, it was awful, awful. So I wouldn't recommend doing that, but I love my 996. And it's oh, just it, a little bit crusty around the edges at the moment. So I just need Jack to sort that out. It's like James this morning. <laughs> Rough around the edges? <laughs> <laughs> crusty around the edges I think was the phrase that's right <laughs> so um, Andy we historically if you're um, if any precedents have actually been set you don't live very long with only one Porsche in the garage tell us what's on what, what have you been looking at on car sales lately <clears throat> oh it's an ever it's, a, it's like a carousel a revolving carousel you used to have in iTunes um Look, the constants for me are <laughs> Cayman GT4s because I miss my Cayman GT4. Uh, oh, oh. 991.2 GT3s and 991.2 Carrera T. They're my they're my sort of three. The T's a funny car with pricing here in Australia. Oh, That's, it's ridiculous with pricing here in Australia. You know, like just the. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like everyone's got theirs for sale, but no one actually wants to sell it because they're asking a hundred grand more than what the mm. car's actually market value is, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, GTS is GTS and T in Australia. The used market doesn't make any sense, and pricing doesn't make any sense, and the cars just sit there forever but don't move. So you miss your GT four. Mm. Well, come over visit Perth. You can borrow mine if you like. Oh mate, I'd love that. I no look, I, I didn't I didn't want to sell the GT4 at all. Um I you know, I just had I had some other financial priorities, some other things I had to put first, and so something had to go, unfortunately. So it was the GT4. And and honestly, I really missed that car. I think it was I know you guys talked about GT4s changing hands with, with some regularity. And you know what, Mark, I know that's your theory. I think there's something in that. Um, and even even my uh, service contact at Porsche Centre Melbourne has said that exact same thing to me, that they tend to move through owners reasonably swiftly. I'm not sure what the what the reason for that is. I, I don't think it's about the practicality of a 911. I, I, I don't think that necessarily comes into it, whether... The, the GT4 is certainly a raw car, and I, I can tell you that from my wife's perspective, being in the GT4 versus the 991 that we had, I think she very much preferred the 991 because it was just a bit more of a comfortable GT car. But, uh, yeah, I miss that GT4. That thing was the perfect alternative to my 964. I loved it, loved it. it I find a similar balance comparing it to my 356. You know, like I've got mm-hmm. that classic experience where I go yeah. out and I can drive the wheels off the thing and none of you doing, you know, 68 kilometres an hour, right? Yeah. But that um, that whole, just, the, you know what, it's just the turning on the car. If you if I boil it, it is, down yeah, to yeah. one thing, the yeah. turning on that car is just unbelievable. And, yeah. You know, every time I drive, it's an event. I'll go down to the bakery to get some bread in the morning before school. You know, I'm grinning like an idiot when I get there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They they really do deliver. I mean, look, I'm lucky in that my 964 is so uh it's so well sorted and the chassis is so good and the and the chassis setup is so good with the KWs and I've had some uh RS tie rods and uh, Ibarx sways and all sorts of stuff. So that car 
on the road as a road going fun car will keep up with most things by virtue of its cornering dynamics. Um, so it's a classic car that also is a performance car. So I love it for that. If I can only have one, that's why that's it. I get it. Um, yeah. I just, firstly, I just want to let everyone know it's only 29 days today until Rensport Reunion 7. And the only reason I'm bringing that is because I'm going. You are? I am. Mate, I'll see you there. I'm so excited. Oh, mate, I'm pinging. I cannot wait. The, um, but more importantly, I'm saying this for Ajmal's sake too, I saw on the Porsche News email this morning that Ajmal, the most powerful KN of all time, has just been released, the new Turbo E Hybrid. Oh, <laughs> Who's the shit? Nobody. <laughs> Who needs well, a 740 horsepower? I, I, I do like the numbers. What, what numbers are we talking about? 740 horsepower. How many? 740. That's not bad, is it? Sats me. You, you might that get that the... with your tune. <laughs> Nobody needs a family wagon that powerful. That's just ridiculous. What what what, what were Hans Dieter and Fritz thinking when they came up with that one in Stuttgart? Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> right. Because do, do they actually? Because does it? They don't feel particularly fast because it's so massive. Um, it's it's got bad reputation for reliability over here, but maybe not so much for the newer ones. But at the same time, it's the the more performance they make one of these big SUVs like a G wagon or whatever it might be, the less of an off road car it becomes. So it just becomes yes, like the G wagon for example. It's the most un aerodynamic thing, and they're just trying to make it go faster <laughs> and less off road. What's the fucking right. point? Seriously, what's the fucking yeah, point? Yeah. Look, do you, know, do you know what they should do? They should do it in limited numbers. And then just the knuckleheads will buy it so that they can store it in their garage, drive it to cars and coffee. Yeah. The same thing we always whinge about with STs and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then just 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 produce a, a shit ton of STs so that everyone else can buy those. Are you talking about the new KN GT5? No. No. <laughs> no. Well, the KNRS, no. what are we going to do here? Like, you <laughs> Do I need to Google that to actually make sure that's not Let me thing. just make stuff up and run with it. Oh, thank God for that. You, can, you know, it's, seriously. Like, I haven't had coffee yet. A 740 horsepower KN, like, because, you know, the 580 or whatever it was in the GT, the KN GT just wasn't enough. The turbo GT. Do you know what, though? I had, I had an Uber driver this week. I was off to actually collect my 964 from having an alignment and he pulled up at my house and I have a Jeep Grand Cherokee SRT, the V8 6.4 litre thing. And he starts talking to me about that car. He's like, what, what mods have you done to it? I said, oh, dude, nothing. It's my, my daily, it's my family car. And he's telling me how he's got a, uh, I think a Chrysler 300C maybe, and he's had all the tuning done and he's getting 800 horsepower out of it. And he's saying to me, you can have this done and that done to your SRT. You could have it like a 1,000 horsepower. So there are people who want that kind of horsepower in an SUV. Yeah, there are. get it. What are you doing with an SRT? That's not a daily driver. You get the Laredo. That's the daily driver. Hang on. Hang that's what I, I used Listen to have to the Laredo. I used to have the Laredo. <laughs> and you thought, nah, you know what? I need to get the 800 horsepower SRT to drive around my kangaroos in it's Melbourne. Not the, it's not the, tra- it's not the track hawk or anything. Like, this is pre-Porsche, right? This is pre-Porsche. I was like, 
my it's my daily, it's my fun, it's my everything. And Hold up, but when you had to sell a GT4, I'm thinking the same thing right now. <laughs> Why didn't you sell what the you, SRT and get yourself a ship? Dude, box? what do you reckon? What do you reckon an SRT's worth? I don't know, but 2015 SRT with 190,000 kilometers on it is not. I'm going to say 60. Is my number right? No, no, it's about half that, mate. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's just a stamp GD on a GD4 over here. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) Particularly if you're in Victoria. I'm so upset with Andy right now. Can we mute him? Hey, this is our podcast. Just because you do that to each other and oh, yours, right? Jesus Christ, James. Yeah, James, look, you and I, we messaged each other. We said we're going to be civil to one another. We don't want to mess up <laughs> somebody else's pod. Let's keep it. Just how often do you and I have to have this conversation? Let's keep the game plan. All right, so everybody, this is the Curb and Canyon takeover. <laughs> <laughs> no, hang on. Wait, wait. If it's a Curb and Canyon takeover, I'm just going to say, I'm a big fan of your podcast, boys. Look, I'm a bit bit of a fanboy there, but nowhere near as much of a fanboy as our little mate Andy is when you guys get a high-profile guest because he sits there and giggles the whole way through it. And I love it. It's actually the highlight of the (laughs) – the content's got nothing to do with me. It's just hearing Andy giggle a little bit throughout his his questions. I really enjoy it. You should see the banter that happens before those episodes. I can imagine. (laughs) I said yes. Have you got any questions? I've got like 20. It's too many questions. Can I ask the questions? (laughs) Hey, James, you're welcome to do some preparation yourself. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) This sounds like a bit of a common theme across podcasts at the moment. What do you reckon, Ashma? (laughs) What are you you saying? What are you saying? (laughs) I mean, it's it's quite funny because when we we get a guest, and if it's a a good guest, you know, I think all of them are good, but... If it's someone slightly high profile and they haven't joined sort of three minutes before the start oh, time, dude, I, yeah, like, I know that feeling. Was that, yeah, was that really them that I was messaging? Was it some spoof account or was it some Gen AI thing? <laughs> oh, um, well, the worst. So our worst story on that is if there's one thing I hate, it's wasting people's time and being late for stuff. I'm, I'm really, I hate being late. And we had Chris Claw from Overcrest. And I was 15 minutes late to the pod with him that I'd set up. And James is messaging me going, dude, where the F are you? And I just, I got the time zone wrong. And so I was in bed and I just looked at my phone. And I'm like, oh, why is James messaging me already? And I saw the message and I was like, and, and it's Chris Cool. I just, knowing that dude, knowing his whole shtick, I was thinking he's not someone who's going to be, cool with that and so <laughs> I, I was so embarrassed so apologetic he was he was genuinely uh let's say gracious about it um but oh yeah that was that was the worst I'll, that was the worst i'll take your chris claw and i'll raise you to nico Ooh. from oil stain lab in the early days of me podcasting right <laughs> This guy, him and his brother, they're car designers. They're amazing yeah, guys. Yeah, 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 Crazy yeah, Canadians, yeah. right? Great blokes. Anyway, hour and a half. I didn't record it. Oh, oh no! <laughs> That's the ultimate. <laughs> Gets better. I, I messaged him like, after, once I realised after we'd finished, I messaged him like an hour later. He goes, yeah, no worries. Let's do it again tomorrow. 
Oh, what a decent guy. Like, I couldn't believe what? it. Like, how much of an amateur was he dealing with at that moment in time? Like, seriously, it was an hour and a what? half we were talking about his career and what they've done and all this sort of stuff. And I'm going, oh, man. I didn't even realise halfway through either. It was like after it, I realised. <laughs> well, I, th- I think you guys dealing. all sound more organised. You guys sound more organised because when we had Brock of 996 Road Trip on, <laughs> yeah. we, he, we talked for 90 minutes and forgot to talk about cars. And <laughs> that's <laughs> right. That just then he had to come back on again a week later. Yeah, we did two episodes <laughs> because we forgot to talk about cars at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was well, good fun though. You know, Talking about amateurs, I was, and and yes, I, I, I must confess that, you know, I, I like to try and get people on the pod that that we have a real admiration for. And when we had, uh, when we had Henry Catchpole on the pod, I was, that, that one for me, that was like amazing. I couldn't believe he agreed to do it. And so I, I always write an intro and I'm halfway through the intro and this bell end in bloody Minneapolis interrupts me and says, wait, is it Joey from Friends? Like, what the hell are you talking about, man? Now, you were doing um, this build-up and it was going on and on and on. It was such a good build-up. I crafted the hell out of that. Dude, I spent ages writing that thing. Oh, look. It was, no shit. It was a good interview. <laughs> like, it was we're good. It, it yeah. was it was a good interview. You, you guys did a good job. And like you know, as I'm sure we've got a lot of common listed, listeners did between both our pods, right? So most would know he's been on both <laughs> our shows, right? And we'll I actually think both. you guys did a better yeah, yeah. job than us. That's weird because we did too. Um, so thank you. That's because Andy <laughs> took a week off work. <laughs> I'm, kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> took a week off work. Hey, you, James, you've organised. You've you've got a couple coming up, bro. I don't expect you're going to take the lead on this one. Uh, that's what you think. Look, I found the talent. You prepare the interviews. That's how it works. <laughs> Hold on, you found the talent. The most recent one you've secured is someone who I introduced you to. <laughs> that's true. That's actually really true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a classic! What a do classic. you guys have these ridiculous done, arguments? Well, well, we do because I think I've only done I've only I've done really good prep only for one, and that was uh, Patrick Long. I think the others the one to prep for, been a though. bit. Yeah, and it was you know trying to work out where he's raced, who's raced with, and uh, especially oh, wow, you, you know when do. he came through, he was easy though. With, he's an easy long. interview. Oh, he is. He oh, yeah. Him off. Yeah. Yeah, he can tell. He's off, but it, was, but it was the, you know, when he was on the Red Bull program and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. So, you know, who his career coincided with. Um, and then all the, the football connections, the TV connections, the movie connections. But with a lot of the others, not a lot. I mean, Magnus Walker, I, I don't think I did any prep for that, apart from he'd put something on Instagram about having chips and they had the skin on. <laughs> and I thought, this this guy's forgotten what, you know, he's forgotten where he's from. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> skin on. <laughs> I think that was the only thing I wanted to talk to you about. And then when uh, I saw him at Caffeine and Machine in the UK, and he said, first thing he said to me was chips. He said that was quite funny. I'm actually uh, waiting on a response from him. I'm hoping to uh, visit his lair when I'm in LA. Mm. Apparently, yeah, he's, he he's does very, take visitors. Welcoming, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So have to check it out. Mm. See if you yeah, see if you take for a drive up the uh, Angeles uh, Crest Angeles Highway Crest. in two seven seven. What do you reckon? Gotta got ask, don't you? Well, that that road in that car would be a hoot. That is an incredible. Have you driven it? It's an incredible no, road. I've never been up it before. Oh man, I I was when I went for Luft uh, five uh, Universal Studios. Uh, I was there for the weekend, just the weekend, and with a, with a buddy. So we arrived on Friday, left Sunday night, and Sunday Saturday afternoon after Luft, I collected a, a base nine nine one Carrera, which I got on Turo, and drove up Angeles Crest to Newcombs Ranch. Had, bumped into Jay Leno up there. It was wow. just incredible, and that and that road is amazing it is just incredible and then we kept driving up the up the hill and then i ran over a really sharp rock and destroyed a tire and then spent eight hours on the side of the road uh, up near newcomb's ranch waiting for a tow truck that got lost and couldn't find me so mm-hmm. that i could get this car towed somewhere and make it to the airport in time to get on a plane to fly to Australia. And literally the guy, we we ended up having to drive down the hill to La Cañada, something, whatever the town is at the bottom of Angeles Crest, to find the tow truck driver, then bring him back up to the top of the hill and point out where the car was before. I I didn't even see the car get towed away because I had to jump in my mate's car and go to the airport. And I thought, that's it, that car. No one's ever going to see it again. Is it it's still there? Be parted out, resprayed the car. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is it still up yeah. on, the, on the side of the road with the flat tire? <laughs> it is. <laughs> no, it did, it did make it. Did make it back, but you know the poor owner who'd, who'd rented his car out because you know Turo is just like Airbnb for cars, right? So this poor guy was just thinking, "What have you done with my car?" And I was guilt ridden about it. And uh, anyway, it, uh, it 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 did all get sorted, but that was a that was a stressful afternoon. But Angeles Crest, well worth the drive, well worth it. Look, it's, it's a big story. I don't know if anyone else's experience on Angeles Crest is going right up to that one. The um, and I hope mine has none of that sort of incidents. The but I am yeah. I am also planning on touring a car or two when I'm in uh, well worth it. LA. Yeah, yeah, what sort of what sort of person puts their car on there? I'd love to know from listeners. Who thinks it's a good idea to put your car on tour? I'd say well, people that here, can't afford right? the payment. What, sorry, what was that, James? I think it's people who can't afford the monthly payment and they want to help funding their uh, their car. That, that would be my yeah, guess. I think it depends on the car, right? Because, I mean, I've got a buddy who hired a uh, 991 GT3 RS. I think that's nuts if you're putting that car on tour. But... Yeah. If you if you've got a Carrera or something like that, that I I don't know, you can it, it becomes a, a tax thing. You can yeah, maybe. But yeah, I just the cars are cheap to rent though. That's a bit on. Like I just don't think yeah, it's yeah, worth yeah, it. Agree. You know, it's just like I look at the co- yeah. the prices on Turo recently to yeah, you know, um, to um, actually rent something, and I'm going, mate, for a hundred and. 40 bucks US, I'm going to get into something that's going to have be a lot of fun. And yeah. 140 mm. bucks US in the scheme of things, really. But it's not going to get, mm. you know, it's not even going to get you halfway you through your oil change. Miles, 
that's the one trick. Anyway, Ajmal. That's true. Ajmal, Just be careful of the rocks. Tell us, um, what what have you got planned coming up on your car? Not, I understand you got to uh, um, well, you're going to be visiting. Uh, you get to visit visit from one of our previous uh, podcast guests. Uh, yeah, Bart's over in the UK, um, so I'm going to go and hang out with him up at Caffeine the Machine. Um, and he rang me and said, uh, "Come up in your 912." And I went, "That'd be great." And in my head, I'm thinking, "Fuck, I don't even know if it works. I haven't seen it in ten months." <laughs> <laughs> So I thought, do you know what? I'll get the 996 done. And when I go to collect the 996, I shall go and try and coax the 912 into life from storage mm. and take it and swap them over. Because it's there's a, a part on the suspension, uh, the steering that's broken. I think it's the steering damper. So the steering is suddenly light as anything, light as a feather. doesn't feel like it's touching the floor. And uh, I've bought the Ignition 123 distributor that I want fitted. So I get a more consistent spark and startup. So I want to get that done. But um, the thing I mentioned to you earlier, Mark, was I, I went up to see my mum up in the Midlands at the weekend, and I saw a 1980s bog-standard Ford Sierra. And <laughs> I hadn't seen one in years. And then I thought, well, how yeah. many how many 80s cars do you just bog-standard ones do you see on the roads? Because they tend to, day-to-day dailies have tend to have a lifespan of about 15 years. Yeah. And anything older than that, you don't really see. If I, I sit in a coffee shop and I'm and I'm always thinking, if I see anything go past that's more than 15 years old, and normally there isn't. Um, and then you know, you can easily call out all the stuff that was cool in the 80s, right? There'll there'll be loads of those tucked away in garages, you know, F40s, 959s, quattros, lanciers, you know, all of that stuff. Um, the most box standard stuff out of that are probably Porsches, 944s, 924s, 928s that you do see big yep. ones all over the place. Um, but then the box standard stuff, you just don't see them. I mean, stuff like um, a Citroen BX, for example, they they made millions of those. They were, you know, company cars. And is it, is it just because everybody used them and they rusted away? Because James, you'll know, in the UK, everything rusts away. <laughs> everything rusts yeah. away. Yeah. And uh, they just rusted away because everybody used them. But then... Every now and again, you'll see something come up for sale. And Mark, we've talked about this before, but you know when someone says it's a classic car. <laughs> but if something's a, a, you know, if something was shit when it was launched, right? Like a Nissan Bluebird, bog standard. Oh my god, that was my first um, car. <laughs> but now, but now, if it's a brand new, if it's a really good Nick one, and someone's selling it as a classic car, and you're like, is it a classic? Is it a classic, or is it just a heap of shit that's in good condition? I don't know. Discuss. Well. The latter. The latter. The, the Sierras, though, have got like a bit of a cult following, haven't they? Just like was it was it the Escorts as well? Yeah, only the Cosworth yes. ones, though. Yeah. Well, that's true, but you just you know you can't underestimate the amount of chavs that live in the UK that want to take a bog standard Sierra and try <laughs> turn it into a Cosworth. Put a Cosworth body kit yeah. and leave the one point six under the bonnet. You reckon? Well, that's why exactly. they were all destroyed, weren't they? The the, the Sierra Cosworth, the the five hundred, and the Sapphire Cosworth, and then the Escort Cosworth. They were all kind of destroyed, weren't they? Because they were either stolen, uh, boy raced, or um, they they were modded to to within an inch of their lives. So, which is why they're worth so much money now. The, the one yeah. that um, I only ever saw once on the roads, and I don't know if you guys must have had it in Australia, definitely the Lotus Carlton. That. Lotus Carlton. I, no, it's not a car that came to 
He's Googling it right now. I am. Well, the thing I... Is this worth hundreds of thousands of pounds now? And it's, you know, it's it's a Vauxhall, basically. But uh, the famous thing about it around where I lived was someone had stolen one and been using it every weekend to go ram raiding. (laughs) Ram raiding. (laughs) So they would basically just reverse it into the front of a shop, load up the big boots and drive off and catch them. Oh, my God. It looks it looks a bit like a Holden Commodore. I was me. thinking exactly the same thing. It's uh, got a bit of Dunny it, Door it, about it. It, it yeah, is. It's a Vauxhall car. It's a that's probably where they mostly ended up. <laughs> yes. Yes. Hang on. Is that hang on? Is that Ashmel's nine nine six? Oh no. <laughs> no. Does it does it say in the ad? I know what I've got. I know what I've got. <laughs> <laughs> no, it says abandoned actually. But but it does. It kind of looks. It, it's Commodore-esque. It looks like a modern will, version of an old Commodore. I, I wonder it if will, the underpinnings a, are that. It's a yeah. The underpinnings are a Vauxhall Carlton, so it's oh a, yeah, which I think right. is a Commodore over there. Yeah. Um, so, but it was it was it was big news at the time. Then disappeared off the face of the earth, and then now they sell for hundreds of thousands of pounds. And and, and it always makes me think, you know, because what's the other iconic car from the 80s that the m3 mm-hmm. the well, 30, yeah. 30. Yeah. you know stuff like that that's worth tons of money but you just don't see the day-to-day i mean i've seen there's a someone locally who drives a beaten up old 1988 peugeot 205 a base model but you right. just don't see anything else you know even no, we used to have a peugeot 205 growing up that we had a 205 for a while we had a 309 i think it was for a while um, but, you know, I grew up pretty close to the Vauxhall garage, uh, on the Wirral in, uh, I think it sells me a pause where, where it's at, is it? Um, yeah. and, uh, you know, Vauxhall was just like such a brand that I kind of like have an affinity with. I, I haven't, you don't see Vauxhalls over here at all, but like the Astras and the Vectras and, you know, they were maybe pre Corsa days, but I, I love that brand. I have a pre Corsa Oh, James, if you had a 205, how did you fit in that thing? Did you cut the roof off? <laughs> well, that was eight-year-old James McGrath, which was, well, still about 5'11". Still 6'2"? To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I had six foot when I was 10. <laughs> the, uh, oh, look, I... I know, I know I still have to get my height checked to go on the rides when we go to a, a theme parks, James, so I'm the, the other extreme. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I look like the kid that stole someone's car when I'm driving mine. Oh, man. The, um, I have a similar affinity to Ford because both my parents and my grandparents on both sides all worked at Ford when I was growing up oh, in really? Geelong, right, in Victoria. and. Oh, um, right. Yeah, so we had loads of Aussie muscle cars coming through our, you know, mm. household growing up. And the old man worked for product engineering, which is basically the GT department for Ford, which is the equivalent of like the Vice, work at a Vice Arc at Porsche, you know. So <laughs> we had phase basically ones, twos, threes. It. We had phase fours, 
come through to get through our house. My mum's daily oh, was a GT Falcon, XA GT Falcon. So we had all these big Aussie oh. muscle cars, you know, that big monster two-ton two things that probably put out about 350 horsepower, but it was like the most powerful engine that they made at the time or whatever, you know, yeah. which is – it's laughable now you yeah. talk about those numbers, but that's what cars were back then, you know, in the 70s and 80s. In the 80s, in the 80s my, my dad used to work at Jaguar Cars. Um, oh, wow. But he, he insisted. But he insisted. But it was more of a. He worked in 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 the Birmingham plant where they did the the body work would get done and then it gets sent off to Coventry where it gets assembled. And um, but he always insisted on buying like British cars. But you know, in the eighties, they were just really shit. And you know, I remember when I learned to drive, I, I forever ruined my car history. I learned to drive in in a nineteen eighty. Austin, no, British Leyland Allegro, which was chocolate brown. Oh, the Allegros. Wow. And it was horrific. And it was just, you know, it had the hydroelastic suspension. Hang on. on. So every couple of months, it'd just be. Just let me interrupt for a second then. That chocolate brown's probably a PTS color now if you you want to order it. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. It it was horrific. And he used to drive Austins and stuff like that. And it was only when one of his friends bought a Japanese car in like towards the late eighties, and you know they were so much more refined, totally reliable. Oh, yeah. They were just next level relative to British Leyland cars. And he was like, "Oh my god, this is just blowing my mind." But he only stuck with those <laughs> for about two years, and then and then suddenly discovered, you know, Audis, Ooh. which were not as refined as Japanese cars, but. That was when I'd started driving. So I remember the first, you know, slightly sporty, you had an Audi 80 Sport. That was, cool. I got up to all sorts in that. I, I, I didn't pay attention to Audis at all until the early 2000s when the uh, the newer generation of the A4s and the, uh, you know, came out and so on and they introduced the A3. Prior to that, I just could never understand why people liked Audis. They just looked boxy, so cool. boring. It was like Volvos with a different logo. Did they keep that design for a really long time from the eighties? All yeah, they just they slightly did. rounded it and it went all the way into the nineties. Sounds like another brand we like. Buy- <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> the um, my mum drove an Audi Fox. I think it was when I was growing up as well. She had that when. She what? left Ford. It's like a bizarre looking car. And I think the old man bought it at a wrecker. It was it's a like Audi um, Fox. Yeah, look it up. It was like a sky blue color. It was a sedan. It was an auto, which is a big deal in our house because all the cars had always been manuals, you know. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Oh, it is now. But this is one of those cars. It fits in the same category what Ajmail said before. Is it really a classic or is it just an old shit car? That if you still had on the road today, it would be considered classic. Just the fact it's still on the road, and that's what's making it classic. Seventy three to seventy nine. I, I like that a lot. Yeah, so I, I can see a new YouTube series here or a new podcast series. Is it classic or is it shit? This <laughs> <laughs> week we're talking about the Ford Fiesta. No, no, no. It's not just is it classic or is it shit. Is it classic? Is it shit? Is there a difference? <laughs> oh, that's, I don't Wait, know. Hang on, clickbait. You know, that's some horses racing there, Mark. Have you guys seen a movie called Amazon Women on the Moon? <laughs> What's it called? No. <laughs> it's, it's a movie from the eighties. Is that on OnlyFans? Or... 
it's, 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 but it's little segments. And the, uh, in, in one of the segments, is, there's a guy and he's just walking around talking about it. He takes common sort of stories and, and he, he, the tagline is bullshit or not. So he goes, was the Loch Ness Monster actually Jack the Ripper? Bullshit or not, you decide. <laughs> we should have a podcast like that. Uh, I think you'd blow up a lot of people's notions of some of these cars that you'd actually find out. Not as good as you think it is. Oh, look at that. But look, we all have memories. The memories we keep are the good ones. So there's some experience you relate to the car review if you look at it with fondness, whether it's a good design, bad design, you know, regardless of all that, if you've had a good time in that car, there'll be fondness for that car for you, won't there? Yeah, yeah. But it's also that thing, like you said before, of driving the DeLorean. It's like I don't want to drive a DeLorean because I don't want to ruin the way I see mm-hmm. DeLoreans, you know what I mean? They're just yeah. this cool thing from one of my all-time favourite movies. I'm happy to leave it that way. Okay, I'm going to throw a hand grenade. It'll ruin, it'll, it'll ruin but it'll ruin Back to the Future because you'll realise it can't actually get to 88 miles an hour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nothing can ruin Back to the Future. Well, nothing. <laughs> I'm going to throw a hand grenade on that, on that uh, logic for you. And this is going to ruffle some feathers, I can guarantee you. Before I bought my GT4, I actually flew to Melbourne, Andy, and test drove a 991.1 GD3 and bought the GD4 because it was a better driving car. How how do you define better? The experience I had in that car to drive, the size, the – I didn't feel there was enough performance difference to justify the – price difference and i felt like the car just all round and you know it's probably the fact it was a manual had as as much to do with as anything else but oh yeah that 991.1 that i drove was a tidy example and it was a good color one it was good spec it's red with gold wheels right i know that car i remember that car and i didn't buy it interesting see i i think there will be more people that agree with you than you might think yeah, uh, I consistently that. hear nine eleven hardcore fans talk about how surprised they are by the ride experience, and not not just not not in Caymans, but in particularly in the GT four. And I can't imagine what the GT four RS will be like. Um, yeah, I I, I can I, I can agree with that. I'll never know because I'll never fit in a GT4, so I'll never be able to compare. They're quite spacious cars inside. I yes, that's the little it's guy. A, it's a carbon bucket you might struggle with. Oh, no, see, I'm me, more... We have me on video trying to get into a Cayman, and it's comedy. Um, L- lubricant no, shoehorn? I, I, can, I can agree with that. I can agree with that. I, 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 can, I, can, I can definitely... Uh, yeah, I, I can get along with that statement. You need one of those, um, someone to build you one of those, uh, what are they called? You know how they make those seven-eighth replicas of motor cars? You need like an, a nine-eighth version built of a Cayman. Well, that's that's what I've said about the 993. <laughs> Do <laughs> one of those. Turbos. <laughs> I'd love to see you get it. If you were with a Cayman, I'd love James to see you get one of those. Or even in Andy's no, car. James wants, James wants a 992-sized 993 turbo. <laughs> that's what I want. A couple of times. <laughs> 
I just I love that. I actually, um. I actually find the space around you in a 992 to be tighter. I feel like I've got everything's around me tighter than it does in my Cayman. The Cayman, I feel like I've got stuck, oh. I've got room around me. You know, the gap between my thigh and the door and, you know, and the console and stuff like yeah. this. We're in a 992. I feel like I'm, ooh, it's like I've got nowhere to go, you know. I'm like in a cubicle in the, in the driver's you know, seat. I think- with width wise, this this uh, I, I feel like there's more knee room in the nine nine two because they've they've done something with the console which brings it sort of closer to the windscreen. Um, but yeah, your um, you kind of left and right motion. Yeah, yeah, I, you I, cocooned I, I, in. I agree thing. with that. Anyway, yeah, but I guess that's the idea, though. You know, throwing yourself around a track, you don't want to be falling out the windows. I'll tell you. I'll tell you another thing. Another uh, point of difference that was very noticeable between the GD3 and the GD4 was the torque. The GD3, you have to go mm. right up the rev range to drive it, compared to the GD4, which I could, you know, at two thousand RPM, the things dropping hammers. You know what I mean? It's you could drive that thing around in third mm. all day. You know. Well, so, yeah, and this is where I think the the whole tall gearing thing with GT4s is is just so overbaked because. There's plenty of torque there that's readily available at low revs. Yes, okay, you don't get to rev it out in second gear when you're in the twisties that often because if you do, you're you're breaking a speed limit or two. But the car doesn't want for acceleration because it's got so much torque and it just comes on in waves. It's so tractable and so usable. I, I, I think that whole gearing issue is just way... Way overblown. I, I I agree, but if I still have my car when the engine or clutch need doing, I will do the gear set just out of curiosity. Mm. Just because you know yeah, it's going to be that I much money that to pull that thing well. apart anyway. You know what I mean? Um, an extra yeah, yeah. couple of grand in the scheme of the project won't be that much. You know, and it'd be no, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, and the feet. You know, everyone raves about it, so I'd, I'd love to drive one that's had it done just to see what it's like. Yes, but mm. it's likely yeah, it's going to be my sense. own. It's going to be the one I get to try. Yeah. <laughs> okay, boys. Well, oh, James, yes, I'm, I'm not likely to fit in one. I'm not likely to fit in one because I don't fit in a boxer properly, and I'm not that tall. Do you not? But I just can't. I can't fit in a boxer. No, I tried bought one. And I'm always, you know, my knees always hitting something. My hands are hitting the stalks because my knees are in the way. And mm. I think I tried everything. I just don't, it's all the mushrooms. The you, just, you need to get all of that vegetation out of there and then you'll be able to fit in it just fine. Yeah, that's probably it. You know, it was probably the vegetation. I should have just, you know, got a strimmer or something in there first. <laughs> <laughs> what, Ashmal, what, what, what model box are we talking? 986. Okay. I wonder if, like a nine eight one, you might uh, find you can squeeze into. There's a big size difference in oh. the interior between a nine eight one and a nine eight seven. Yeah, like a big difference yeah, to sit in. Like, yeah, they're much bigger cars. They feel like. So yeah, I agree. And I've driven a nine eight six Boxster a bunch of times, and the ergonomics in that car are kind of tricky. I, I get what you're saying, just with steering wheel positioning and stuff like that. Whereas nine eight one, not so much. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, we'll call it. It's been a bit, and I really appreciate the fact that you guys are giving us the time just really to have have you on as a bit of a chin wag and crap on and (laughs) fanboy about. It's been a lot of fun. We we should do this more often. 
Yeah, it was Let's great. It. Thank you so much for inviting us on. Uh, it's been awesome. Um, I probably would have enjoyed it more without James, but, uh, you know, most of the time we're a two-for-one deal, so <laughs> can't win my man. You can't have heckle without Jekyll. <laughs> right, well, it was nice speaking with two of you at least. <laughs> oh, we'll let the come on, Mark, wasn't that bad? <laughs> <laughs> Ashmal, as always, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, everyone, for listening. It's been a pleasure. Thank you all. Look, I don't think there's a need for me to put everyone's uh, um, handles for Instagram and YouTube because... That's the only reason why it came on, promotional purposes. Okay, look, all right then. Oh, you're on the wrong James James has got got his new album coming out. Uh, He's touring with Taylor Swift. We weren't oh, to get thought, it all out. I thought you were going to call. I thought you that other one, the Suncoast's greatest carbon hits. <laughs> That's more like it. <laughs> Good luck with the new car, mate. Looking forward to um, seeing how it, it is. is. And let's make a point of catching up at Rensport. Yeah, yeah. I'll see you there. Ashmal, come all along. Right, guys. Jump on a plane. Let's go. I'll talk to you next episode. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>